Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. How's everyone? Who enjoyed the worship? Come on, let's give our team a big hand. Awesome drummer. Very laid back, cool guitarist and... Which one? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? But um, it's so good for, um, to, to speak to you guys tonight. I'm excited to see um, what God has for each and every one of us. And uh, the fact that we're here um, gives me hope because it's like you are in the right place. Yeah. You have positioned yourself ideally if you want to hear from God, if you want to see how, what God has for you and the life he's called you to. So this is going to be um, a great night for you because we're continuing our Extra Mile series. And uh, we've done this now for two weeks and the messages have just built um, upon each other. And the Extra Mile is, is everything that I guess I could define as being different from and being a Christian, being a non-Christian, is that there's a, there's, a, there's a way life that you're living and then as you become a Christian, as you receive Jesus, there's extra that you get to live in. There's, when you receive Jesus, you enter into an extra portion of life, which, which blew my mind that I didn't think that, um, that, that I could mentally ascend, or rather, like, I thought that my life was just how good I could plan it, you know, like, if I, if I work good, if I work hard, if I, if I do all these things, then I will get into a blessed life. But then Jesus came into my life and transformed it, so it's actually, it's not about something I did, it's about a relationship I was introduced to and in this relationship I was transported into the extra mile life and this portion of scripture which we're um, focusing on and um, is kind of like the backbone for um, the series and found in um, Isaiah 11 it's going to go up in the screen but let's see if I can beat them to it in my scriptures Isaiah 11 and verse oh I'm sorry I beat you um, in verse um, <laughs> number one so um, it says here then shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse this is a prophecy about Jesus uh, from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and skip down to verse 10 and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. When I, accept, when I accepted Jesus, Jesus became, I became a resting place for Jesus. When you, this is, this is, I don't know if you're, um, maybe this is something that I guess we kind of glaze over sometimes, but when you're in Jesus Christ, you're not entering, like Jesus didn't die for you to give you a new set of rules and restrictions. He didn't die for you to, to, to limit your life. He actually came as a resting place. So in other words, you don't have to work your way up to him. He's worked his way down to you. And if you've accepted him, you've accepted this extra mile life and you've accepted a life of limitless possibility that you don't have to earn, you don't have to work for, you don't have to, you don't have to strive for, you enter in because he's entered into you and that is the life that we celebrate that's the life that we live as believers and, and I'm going to speak from um, this section of scripture um, some of you may be familiar with but it's um, in Luke chapter 10 in Luke chapter 10 it's, um, 
It's a story about how after Jesus has sent out, he sent out 70 disciples and they went to um, cast out demons and do many things. And then they're amazed to see the, how, how, like when they just spoke and things happened, like demons left, people were healed. And they were so amazed, like, oh, wow, like even the demons are subject to your name. But Jesus says to them, don't be astounded for that. Be astounded or celebrate that your names is written in heaven. And then it comes to this point where Jesus is now gone to um, a, play, a woman's called Martha's house. She's, invite, she's invited him there to stay. And this is, um, this is where I want to spend most of our time here together. Is everyone good? Awesome. It's a great day today, isn't it? So if I finish early enough, we can all go out and have ice cream, okay? How's that? The offering's good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> right, in verse 10, for, um, chapter 10, verse 38, it says here, Now it happened as they, went, um, as they went that he entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached them and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered in the voice of Marvel's um, Black Panther and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen that good part, the NIV or um, nearly inspired version, sorry, Bible joke, um, says the better part. Mary has chosen the better part, and that will not be taken away from her. So the title of my message tonight is entitled, The Better Life. The Better Life. And I accepted Jesus. I entered into a better life. I, I entered into a life where I, I received, I guess, almost like a download of what life could be. It's like I got a download, and it's almost like the filter got removed, and I could see everything that was created in the world, that I, I actually had been brought into my possession. There's things that I could do, um, that I couldn't, that I could do, but then with revelation came, I entered into them. But before this happened, I, I, I just lived almost like blindly, but then when Jesus came into my life, I entered into the better life. And I would like to say I had a good life before. I would like to say that um, my life was... It was pretty enjoyable, you know. I, I didn't have those stories that, like, um, I was in the run from the law, you know, like, I was in rehab. I, I didn't have any of those stories, but I think my life was defined by two major things. And the first one was computer games. Now, I love computer games. I just loved how you can enter in a story in a different world and there's very low pressure. If you die, you don't really die, which is awesome. And, and you can just keep playing and playing and then the difficulty increases and you keep challenging yourself. And I, and I love these games. And, and, I, and my main one was probably Call of Duty. Any Call of Duty players here? Sort of, really. Well, like when I was starting off, when I were a lad, like, well, I wasn't a lad, I was over 18, but when, but when I was old enough to play these games legally, I, um, I think Call of Duty 4 was the main one for me. And, and uh, to give you um, um, a kind of like perspective of how much I was into these games, um, I, in Call of Duty 4, which was like the, the big turning point about online first-person shooter games, and, and I racked up in one of my accounts, I racked up 30 days of playing time. 
30 days. You know, when people talk about, oh, I was working all day, but like actually they are actually working only about seven and a half hours, or if you're in the medical profession, maybe about 12 or so, but it's not literally all day, but I literally spent 30 days, think about this, 30 days doing nothing but Call of Duty. And while it was broken up over maybe a month, <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe not that, it wasn't, wasn't as much as a month, right? but, but, but I, I find I spent so much of my time in these games. And, and, you know, like I've spent a whole day doing different things. I mean, um, I, I would recommend you try this, but back when 24 was big, I, um, I watched the whole entire first series of 24 in one day. And that was a great day. <laughs> that was awesome, right? But it was about only 18 hours out of the day. Because of the, it was actually 45 minutes an episode, so it was slightly lying when it was actually the 24-hour clock. But it wasn't completely. But um, it was great, and I loved that. But I didn't literally spend all day doing that. But when I played Call of Duty, man, I would spend hours. You know, I'd come home from work sometimes, and then I would start maybe playing at 6 o'clock, and then the people from the UK would go to bed, and then the people from America would get home from work, and I'd play from the with them, so I'd be, I'm playing to like five in the morning sometimes. So like that's how, and, and I really enjoyed this. And anyway, a little bit of insomniac. I didn't need much sleep, so this is perfect. So I, I love Call of Duty. And another thing I, I absolutely loved was um, was training martial arts. And martial arts kept me fit, and you know, kept my mind engaged, and it was really good for me. And and I and I found that I really it was one of these things that I just. I find myself waking up thinking about Call of Duty, waking up thinking about my next training session, about you know, where I'm going to compete next and all these things. And I find myself, my life being defined by, by the things that made, I thought made my life good. Yeah. And the thing is that you know, we all have things that in life that we do that are good. It's, it's good to work. It's, it's good to have time with friends. It's good to play computer games within reason. It's, it's good to watch movies, once again, within reason. But it's like, it's good to do these things. And Martha in our story is serving. And, and I've found, like, and I've, people talking about Martha and stuff, and Martha's got a bad rap. Martha has a bad reputation. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, if, like... As, as a leader, you know, like, um, there's a leadership principle that I know that it's, um, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. <laughs> give it to a busy person. Give it to somebody who's used to getting things done. Don't give it to the person that's twiddling the thumbs, you know. Like, I found sometimes it's easier to redirect someone who's busy than to motivate someone who's not. So, give, give it to a busy person. And Martha is a busy person. She actually does really good here. There's a, there's a little thing I just glazed over until maybe this week. She says here in verse 38, um, she actually invited or welcomed Jesus into her house. That's a great thing. You know, if you want a miracle, if you want you know, to see breakthrough, if you want to see things happen, invite Jesus into your house. And, and Martha got this. But then she is, and she's also serving once again, I would highly recommend serving. If you're on team, if you're on band, I commend you because what you're doing is you are creating an environment where people can come in and meet with God. This is what we believe in as a church. That's why when you belong, it's, it's so, well, when, when part of the things we do is at, once we've discovered God, we, we get ourselves knit into the community of God and then we want to build the church, build people's lives and we do that by serving. We do that by serving, and we serve, and serving is good. I mean, service is probably, I would say, like, it's, it's, like, it's, like, the, it's like the foundation of romance, you know? It is. I mean, I've never heard a girl say, oh, that guy, you know, like, oh, he's so amazing. He never works. 
I mean, I would be surprised if he knew what work is, but man, he's, he's just like, he sits in his body, plays his computer games. He is so amazing. I'm going to take him home to my parents. I've, I've never heard that. I've never heard that, but because we understand that serving, they would say something like this, oh, he's thoughtful, oh, he, um, he knows when I'm feeling down and he encourages me, oh, he, he buys things for me and he knows exactly what I need. These things are the things you're likely to hear from people who are wanting to, I guess, seek approval from their friends. They'll say, oh, he, he does things for me, he does things and we spend time together. These things are how we create relationships. So Martha, she gets this. She gets that you serve and you create relationship. Yeah. But then there's a thing that she does, which is, which is something I found that she, in verse uh, 39, it says she uh, was, I'm sorry, in verse 40, um, she distracted herself with much serving. With much serving. In other words, she did a good thing, but she was distracted with much of it. Yeah. And I find in my, in my call of duty career, um, with, you know, I've, uh, thir- that's 30 days with one game, but then the rest of the games, they release a new one every year. I wouldn't be surprised if I added up and it came to 100 days. But, um, but I found myself being distracted with something I thought was good. I got the games because it's Call of Duty, come on. You get the Call of Duty. If you have a PlayStation or Xbox, you just get it so you can play people online. But I found myself like in times where um, I would just lose the plot. I would just be so angry, and I, I and I held this in such like I was. This is my trophy that I had made two broke controllers and stuff, and and I, I and I had a PlayStation for at this point maybe five or six years and didn't break one controller, and I was just like, I'm 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 not that guy, you know. I don't I don't rage quit. I don't do these things. I don't throw my controllers, you know. I'm I'm not like that. I'm not a noob, you know. I can handle a beating because I know I'm going to do better the next game. But then I remember it was one time. I think it was May 2010. I remember that's. <laughs> period of time where I broke three controllers in a week three controllers in a week and that, that was not that was not the best that was not a highlight of my life at all um three controllers in a week because I was so attached and then a, a sport that I loved to do so much I remember um after a competition um I I was like very trim for this competition and I injured myself injured my rib and um I didn't do well in the competition so I was injured so I couldn't train and I lost so I couldn't have any sort of medal or anything like that so I was just depressed so get this in six days I put on eight kilograms Drowning my sorrow in alcohol and Chinese food. That was that is that is when I did something too much, and I was so invested in it that I just got so busy, just so angry with why is it not producing something that I really want from it? You know what I mean? Like we do these things and we expect something from it, but sometimes it doesn't deliver. Sometimes something happens, and we find that this is where Mary went wrong. Sorry, this is where Martha went wrong. And she gets a bad rap, but she did something here that she, she got distracted with much serving. Not that she was doing something bad because she was doing something good, but she got distracted with much. And then the things that we do and the things that, um, that we find to do that are good. It's great to serve in church. It's great to go out on date night. It's great to do these things. But in our distraction, what happens is we get diverted. And then in this diversion, we end up in a wrong destination. 
you know, I never got a PlayStation 3 and thought to myself, you know, years down the line, we're going to get so enraged that I'm actually literally going to throw money out of the window by breaking my controllers, which cost £30 a pop and still haven't come down in price today. So, like, I never started that journey saying I'm going to do that to my controllers. I never started um, training martial arts knowing that I'm going to be so attached to this that it's just going to, it's going to devastate me and almost near kill me if I don't, if I don't perform at a level I want to or if I do it so much that I get injured, which is kind of the life of an athlete. You, you go from injury, you recover, you get better, you get injured, recover. And it's, it's just the life of an athlete. But, but I thought if, if I get injured, then that's something I don't want to do. So, but, then, but then I found myself thinking, that's, that, that, these things that promised a good life sometimes don't deliver what they're supposed to or what we think they're to deliver. So the difference here with Mary and Martha, Martha was doing something good. I commend you to do the things that Martha was doing, but she got busied with much serving. And then Jesus said to her in verse 39, sorry, no, sorry, it's verse um, 41. And, um, and Jesus said and answered to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. She was doing something good, and then she said, Martha, Martha, she was troubled about, troubled about many things. What were the many things? She actually goes to Jesus complaining about Mary not helping. You know, I find that sometimes, even in my prayer life, maybe you can relate sometimes the things I'm struggling with or the things that I approach Jesus with. And I would judge Jesus um, and, answer, and pray to Jesus in the light of my problems and troubles rather than the light of who he is. He says, approach Jesus and said... <laughs> is in verse 30, um, verse 40 says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Like, if I was in the presence of Jesus, like, looking at scripture, you can kind of look like, you know, like, we know better now, you know, we, we've, you know, time has passed, you know, we know better than the people here, but, you know, how many times have we went to Jesus talking about somebody else? <laughs> You know, get them to change their attitude. You know, get them to, you know, um, pull up their socks. You know, get them to roll up their sleeves and help me because I'm breaking my back here. This is, this is Martha's attitude. But then Jesus said, said to her, didn't judge her, just said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. But verse 42, but one thing is needed. Mary chose that good part. What was that good part? Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That was the good part. And Jesus says about that, that will not be taken away from her. To sit at Jesus' feet, to be in the presence of God, that won't be taken away from you. No, I don't know what it is about. Sometimes you have seasons of life where one's good, something's good in one season and then time goes and time passes and you feel that that's escaping you. But that may have been good for that season, but times change, things change and it's, and it's time to move on from that. But sometimes we mourn things in our past and we say, well, why does that have to change? Why can't I keep doing that? Why can't I keep living there? Why can't I keep working there? There's, there's things that we, we try and hold on to, but Jesus is saying, no, because everything's subject to, subject to time and subject to transition because of the, the world that we're in. But, but Jesus says there's one thing that can't be taken away, no matter what season, no matter what doubt, there's one thing that can't be taken away, and that is to sit at Jesus' feet. That can't be taken away from you. 
That can't be, that is the rock on which you can build a life on. And in John 6, 37, sorry, 20, John 6, 27, and um, once I'll see if I can race. Nope, you beat me this time. Okay, so John 6, 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because the God, because of God the Father has set his seal on him. Don't labor for food with, which perishes. Don't let your life be defined going after things which are going to be out of fashion in the next season. Don't, be, don't work, let your lives be so consumed on, on keeping offenses. Don't let your lives be so consumed about trying to get people to work as hard as you work or to speak the way you speak or to, to engage in the manner what you think is practical. Don't waste your life on these things because these things are subject to change. But one thing that won't change, and that is the food which endures to everlasting lasting life, which, is, which Jesus will give to you. If you come to the feet of Jesus, he will give you what won't ever fade away. And let me encourage you, if you're feeling faded, or if you're feeling down or heavy, encourage you to get to the feet of God, because when you're at the feet of God, you are elevated because you get filled with a food and filled with a bread that does not perish, does not fade away, does not know any means of end. You come to the feet of Jesus. You get something which doesn't perish. And that can't be taken away from you. And I love that. Living with things that can't be taken away. It means you don't have to feel like you have to lock your house at night. You know that? Like, you know, you lock your house and you put locks and alarms because you're, you're afraid of, like, burglars and stuff. And it's wise to do that, to lock your house. But God has given you his presence. He's given you his word. And what he speaks to you can't be taken away. No matter how much you busy yourself, it can't be taken away from you when you're at the feet of Jesus. What's at his feet? Why, what is this important about sitting at his feet? Well, what's important is the, the posture that Mary adopted is the posture of someone who is sitting at the feet of a rabbi or a scholar. In other words, when you sit to someone's feet, you're placing spiritual regard on them. You're positioning yourself to receive from them. And in this, in this position, you're opening yourself up to, you're actually saying, I don't have all the answers, so I'm willing to receive the answers that you have. I'm willing to hear what you have to say. And it's this, hum- this humility um, position that you sit here and you receive All the goodness of God. It's the humility that draws on the power of God. When you're in that position, God can give you anything that you desire. John 15, 7. If you you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is the position where we accept that Jesus is our rabbi. He is our teacher. He's our Lord. And when we sit at his feet, we can receive from him. And we receive wisdom. Wisdom is, you know, it's, it's, um, it says in Proverbs that um, by, the, by um, God, the wisdom of God, he created the earth. And by his understanding, he created the heavens. Wisdom, he created the world. And we get to receive that power, that, that same thing which he created the world from when we sit at his feet. So the very least, we can graft that we can create a world for us to live in with the wisdom that he gives. 
And the wisdom of God is powerful. I remember speaking to uh, one of my old schoolmates, not schoolmates, workmates, and, uh, and he's, a, he's a design engineer. His name was uh, Benjamin. So um, I told him where the name came from. Because um, if you remember Genesis, um, I think it's 35, where, um, where Benjamin, the, the, um, Joseph's, sorry, Jacob's last son, and, um, and, he, and his, his wife Rachel dies, and she calls him Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow, or son of my strength. But then when she died, um, jo- um, Jacob renamed him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand, son of my authority, son of my promise, son of my power. So he named him that. So I told him this, and, and then and he's just like, well... You know, do you really believe, you know, how the world was made and stuff like that? And it's, and it's well, you know, from, with wisdom, God created the world. So I just said to him, just a little thought, I just said, hey, well, you know, you see how things in, in um, nature are perfectly in balance, how the, the concentration of oxygen is, so in, is in such a way that there's not any more of it or any less of it. It would affect how we can breathe and how we can live, how the sun's uh, at a perfect distance um, from, the, um, from the earth. So if there's any closer, nothing, no life would be. And if there's any further, no life would be. And, and even just in how the stars are in space and, and how everything is in gravity. Like, don't you think something that intricate, not even to mention the human body, don't you think something that intricate needed a designer he's like okay so and he's a design engineer so it's just like thinking like well he knows that he has to design things and and it's like well everything on earth was designed and god gives us that same thing that he designed the earth with when we sit at his feet Tools to live skillfully, tools to live a blessed life, tools to live, regardless of whether we feel we're rich or whether we're not, we have to get tools to live wherever he calls us to, because wisdom is skill in living, and he gives us that. The same thing he created the world with, he gives us when we're at his feet. That's a powerful thing, and he also affirms us. And what I mean by affirmation is that he affirms who he is, and he also affirms who he's called us to be. Yeah. We need affirmation. You know, I got my affirmation from things like, you know, how well I did at sport, how well I did in school, and how well I could please my parents. And I, I got my affirmation from these things, but those things don't tell me who I am. No. They're, they're just measures of how somebody sees me. But like we, saw, we sang earlier on, I'm not, I'm not what anyone else says. I am who he says I am. I'm not who my, my uh, next door neighbor says I am. They see a portion of me, but God says, sees all of me. And I'll be, I want to go to where somebody who really knows me intricately can speak into my life yeah. and affirm who I am and who he's called me to be. And that's what we get at Jesus' feet. When we approach his throne of grace, we are told who we are. We are not our mistakes. We are not these things that we regret. We are children of God. And children come down and just look up at their parents' face, just astounded that they are provided for, that they're protected. And this is, these are all the things that we get when we're at the feet of Jesus. Life begins at the feet of Jesus. Life begins when we come before him, because then we see who we really are. We're not who our flatmates say. We're not who our family say. We are who he says we are because he created us. And when we 
live in by who created us not by what created things happen around us by circumstance when we live in that we will live a blessed life we will live a better life because we're living in 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 authenticity to where he's called us and who he's made us to be so in other words don't do you were born original don't die trying to be a copy don't die getting a wrong image of yourself seek the face of god and he will tell you exactly who you are and who he's made you it comes at the feet of God. And at the feet of God, you also come into rest. Rest, it's where we, do, we don't have to, we don't feel like we have to work in the sense that's going to like tear us apart or going to weigh down on us. It's, a, it's an effortlessness. Rest, it's, it's an ease, it's... It's like, it's like you stepping into something stronger. It's an empowerment for the purpose that you live with. And it's also rest from religiosity. From having to conform to rules and regu- regulations that sometimes we put ourselves in. And I, I find it funny how sometimes where people would say things like, Oh, um, I, I, I understand the idea of God, but I'm not religious or saying things like that. But what we don't realize sometimes, right? All religions is, is a, a group of, it's a system or rules or things that you can keep to, to get a high score of merit. And in this, when you add up these scores, then you can gain, gain a sense of status or, um, or perceived, um, like, like you're, you're doing good today, that sort of thing. When you have religion, it's, it's, and it's, and it's points based. It's based on how you perform. And if you don't perform, there are things you can do. So in other words, man or a system controls how good you feel about yourself. But the world, the generally speaking, the world is like that where they may not go to a temple, they may not go to a mosque, or they may not go to a church, but there are other things that they go to that tell them how good they're doing, that tell them how, how, they're, how, um, how they rack up and how um, effective they are living their life. And, and most people um, would say, oh, I'll do this and I'll do that, I'll take some from here and take some from that. And what they're doing is they're making their own religion. It's called self-righteousness. You are establishing a system by which you can justify the things in which you do feelings whatever these are things that that add up to a religion a religion that we ourselves can't even keep <laughs> have you ever tried to see how many of your own standards you fall short of and it's and it's fascinating but when you enter god's presence you don't have to worry about those things you don't have to worry about you know, whether he's upset with you today or whether you're not doing as well today because you enter into rest. You're free from having to work hard for, for approval. You're free from having to work hard for acceptance. You're free from all that stuff because he gives you his presence. And I'll close with this. When you enter into the presence of God, you enter into um, a state of rest. And in Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, verse 28, it says this. This is in the message. Are you worn out? Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Show you how to take a real rest. Now, come on, when you're thinking about work tomorrow, a real rest is what you need. Walk with me and work with me. It's not that work doesn't have to be done, but there's a way work is done. 
We work from rest. We don't rest from work. And that's only possible in Jesus Christ. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. Not forced by deadline. Not forced by pressure. External or internal. It's not forced. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting in you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound like the better life? Freely and lightly. Bills have to be paid, but I'm living freely and rightly. I'm not getting on with my classmates, but freely and lightly. That's the better life. I have to worry about things going wrong when I'm in the better life. The better life that says I'm not going to be, having, not going to be in this performance game or on the, on the righteousness ladder. I'm not going to play those games because I'm in God's rest. Yeah. I'm in God's presence. When I'm in God's presence, I am free and I am light. Light means you can move. You can, you can do whatever you need to do without restrictions. Yeah. Therefore, lay, lay aside every weight Why carry things that you're not designed to carry? Why carry pain? Why carry the weight of religiosity? Why carry doubts from the past? Why carry fear of the future? You don't have to carry that. When you walk with Jesus and work with Jesus and watch how he lives his life, you will find there's an effortlessness. You will find there's a grace. You will find there's a peace and a power to do all that God's called you to do. The unforced rhythms of grace. That's the life I want to live. The better life where you live by grace. Where he is, where you're talking about things like uh, what goes wrong. He's already seen it. He's already paid for it. He's already, he's already provided provision for that. You don't have to fear it. You can walk into it because you're walking with his grace. You're walking with his power. And you're walking in his presence. Starting at the feet of Jesus. And when you get closer to the feet of Jesus, you see all the things that are actually under his feet. He's put your sin under his feet. He's put enemies under his feet. And we are the body of Christ. You know what that means? We're actually his feet. Anything that, is, that Jesus has already defeated, we have defeated it too. Because we are in Christ. When you are in Christ, you are in effortlessness. You are in victory. You are in the extra mile life because he's already gone before you. He's already done these things for you. He's already put provision in your future. He's already defeated enemies that you haven't even seen coming yet. He's already done it. He's already provided for that. And you just step into this effortlessness. Step into this rhythm of peace. Step into this rhythm of grace where you just step into a a, a strata, a slipstream of righteous living, of living free and light. That's the life that we want to put up on the wall. That's the life that you don't have. It's like Jesus didn't die to give us religion. He, gave, he, he died and gave us life, a life to the full. A life to the full. Let's stand this evening. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.